Welcome back to Girls Gone Healthy. I am so excited that you're here. And if it's your first time, welcome in general. Today, we're just going to jump right into it. You know, nothing going on with me, no special announcements. So today, we're talking with Safa. And I think that this one was a really important conversation to have because we're talking about building trust with yourself and learning how to listen to your intuition. Because a lot of times with this health and nutrition journey and exercising, there's so many options out there. There's so many people telling you what to do. It's like, okay, but what is my body telling me? What's my mind, my soul, my emotions? Like, what is my body screaming at me that it wants me to do? So we talk about, you know, digging deeper into your true self, but then also reminding you that you have a choice here. Like, there's nothing that you should be doing, shouldn't be doing. Like, it's all your choice. And the, like, sooner that you can realize that, you just give back so much power to yourself. You're not worried about what other people are doing. You're not worried about all of these outside influences. It's really just what you personally want and you have that choice to help get you there. So I think that this is a really powerful conversation that you're going to get a lot out of. So with that, we'll jump right in. Hey guys, today we're joined by Safa and she helps women change their relationship with self and the world around them so they can better step into their power, acknowledge their worth, and change their lives. Her purpose is to provide women with health and wellness techniques that will allow them to shift their perspective around their unique power so that they can create a life that's filled with health, joy, purpose, and peace. Thank you so much for coming on today, Safa. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's such an honor. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited that you're here. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your health journey and just what your relationship with food has been like in the past. Absolutely. So it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart, obviously, because I had a quite a complicated relationship with food. So growing up, I heard a lot around me negative connotation toward food all the time. And it just kind of, I think, imprinted a very particular and reinforced a very particular story in my head, which was that I couldn't trust my body around food and that I wasn't worthy unless I was smaller. So because I also heard a lot, oh, you're fat, you're fat. So when you're little, you take these moments in your life and you kind of store them inside your mind and your body and you create what I call a story around them. And what story does, essentially, it's your ego's way of trying to protect you. Again, it's not, I always hear people talk to and relate to ego as something negative, but it isn't. It's all it's trying to do is protect us in this world, right? But it likes to do that by creating stories and it gets very, very creative in doing that and it's very good at its job. So the story that I had created at that time, hearing those things around me was that I wasn't worthy and I wasn't good enough, especially if I was not a certain type of weight or a certain type of look, or if I didn't do a certain type of, you know, activity in my life. So that prevailed, unfortunately, past it well, well into my teenage years, you know, I had a disordered relationship with my food, I didn't trust myself around it either. And I sort of bounced around from diet to diet, which probably sounds a lot like a lot of people these days, you know, we bounce around from everything like Atkins to like South Beach to like everything I could think of just so that I could stay at a certain weight to 
kind of stay within the parameters of what I, I considered at that point good, right, in my life. Well, we moved to Texas from Miami when I was, I think it was like my third year in college. And I accidentally, and I say accidentally lightly because I don't believe there are accidents. I do think that everything happens for a reason. I walked into this yoga studio that... You know, I would have never expected, first of all, I didn't think it was a yoga studio. To me, from the outside, all I could see was clothes. And so I thought it was more almost like a Lululemon type place where they were selling yoga clothes and stuff. So I walked in and found out that they did have classes. And at that point, still very much ingrained in my disordered eating and my disordered relationship with myself, had been reading articles about like, I think it was like Madonna or somebody doing yoga or something. And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to get so skinny. I'm going to do this. So I, uh, I joined and I started practicing yoga. But the funny thing is, and I always say this to my clients and to my students, is when you tap into a certain kind of awareness within you. And when you actually make a connection to self, whether you expect it or not, whether you think it's going to happen or not, whether you want it or not, there is going to be a light bulb moment for you that is going to shine a very deep light into the shadow aspects of self. And so, you know, class after class, I just kept finding more stuff within myself to become very present with. And the first stages of coming out of that was me just literally noticing my body and how I felt in my body. And then that evolved into me noticing what it actually felt like to feel hunger or to feel full or to feel like I craved, you know, vegetables or meat or whatever it was. And which it may sound very blasé, but really and truly what I've learned over the years is that most of us are so disconnected from self. We continue to see ourselves as so sort of separate body, mind and spirit that we don't know. We don't really have a gauge for these things anymore. And we've been taught that we cannot trust our bodies to the point where we second guess everything. You know, like how often is it that you're sitting there holding holding your pee in, you know, because you think you have to like get past it or whatever. You're like, no, no, I don't have to go to the bathroom. I don't have to go to the bathroom. It's the same with like food. How often do you find yourself all of a sudden, and I say all of a sudden in quotes, ravenous because you've spent the whole day like not eating. And now you're so past your hunger moment that you're going to like devour the first thing you see and you binge. So that's what I'm talking about. And I started noticing those things in my body through the practice of yoga. And then also too, what I started to notice Notice as I went deeper into self was that there was a lot of a lot of care and a lot of love that I needed from myself because I had believed so deeply all of these stories that I had been using, you know, in my life to assign matter to the world around me in the way that I thought I should be assigning matter to them, that I neglected young me a lot. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I basically, and I think a lot of us do this, I don't believe that we treat ourselves the same way that we do the people that we love in our lives. And that's kind of where I was at that point in my life. And I noticed it, you know, and I noticed in meditation one day. So I just remember 
it was a very deep moment of sense that I just knew I had to get to love myself and embrace myself entirely. And then that got pushed a little bit further because we'd gone on a trip to, um, where was it? I think Dominican Republic and a friend of mine was there with me. We spent a whole afternoon talking because I'd had a moment of, re I would call it relapse. Because to me, when you deal with... Um, with an eating disorder or a disordered relationship with your food and yourself, you're in recovery. You know, it's almost like being um, a recovering alcoholic. So, and at this point I had been doing yoga for a while and I had been healing my relationship to food and to myself for a little bit. And I think I want to say about three to four years at that point. And, um, she, we were in Dominican Republic together and I had kept complaining that day about how fat I felt and how like, you know, my arms were this, my belly was that. And she just had a very like tough love moment with me where she sat me down and she started pointing out the way in which I was speaking to myself so that I could see how harsh and putting like how much it was putting me down how much aggressiveness there was in it and then she asked me if I could freely say that I loved x y or z about myself or about my body and I couldn't so she physically grabbed me and placed me in front of a mirror like a full-length mirror and wouldn't let me go until I was able to say to each part of myself that I loved that party. Like, you know, I love my eyes. I love my arms. I love and, and without putting like a because behind it, because I think I think also a lot of times we do that as people. We're like, oh, sure, I love my legs because they are strong and I can run in them and I can walk. You know, we're like a lot of people can't walk. And while I understand where that comes from. I think it puts a little caveat to our love. It's like, oh, I love myself, but only because blah, 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 versus a complete total surrender or a complete total immersion into the love and the embracing, not accepting, but embracing of the self. And that's what she helped me do. Now, that approach might have been a little bit intense, let's call it. Like I wouldn't be telling people to just, you know, oh, grab your best friend and have them put you in front of the mirror and hold you in place until you kiss. It was a lot, you know, and psychologically it was very intense, but I think it was the right thing for me at that point in time. Same as I think it was the right thing yeah. for her at that point in time. And then from there, I kept exploring, you know, I kept going deeper into my yoga practice. And the more I did that, the more I realized how worthy and just amazing I was and I started dealing with my stories and I was able to sit down with younger me and have conversations of healing and eventually as I kept teaching my students out of curiosity would start asking what I was eating you know like oh you do yoga and you're so good at it but like what do you eat you know how do you nourish your body whatever and I didn't feel qualified to to speak to that but what I wanted, though, I wanted to be able to help other people, particularly other women who were like me, 
who were struggling to connect to them to themselves who were struggling to relate to their bodies and their foods and the world around them in a powerful way and who were needing to be reminded of their true essence i wanted to be the person who could be there for them kind of like my friend was that could be like hey look at this so that's where the idea for nourishing paths kind of originally developed um and i know that that's not where like I know I know that's not exactly where your question started but I'm just giving you a bit more of the behind the scenes I hope that's okay (laughs) yeah no that was super helpful yeah but what I love about your story too is how you mentioned at the very beginning these stories that we tell ourselves and it's the first story that you told yourself was that you couldn't trust yourself around food and that you know you did have to be a smaller size and so when those are the first stories you tell yourself you don't even know that there's another way necessarily, you know, that's just how you were brought up. And so when you found yoga first in your life, I know that you said it was slightly by accident. Was yoga a way that you're like, okay, I'm going to start healing this relationship? Or did you not see it as an issue at that point? No, you know, that's why I'm saying that it, it kind of sneaks up on you when you actually connect to self. And I think in particular, the yoga practice sneaks up on people. A lot of us walk into these studios with a particular goal in mind. And a lot of times that goal is very physical oriented. You know, we either want to have defined arms, we have that long, lean, you know, look that we all, for some reason, have come to be, be very used to Um seeing as the pinnacle of what we should look like, right? So I think a lot of us go at it that way. But what happens is, the reason I say it sneaks up on you is because when you can go so much into stillness that you can truly feel yourself, your body, the way that you're breathing, your heartbeat, even the way that your blood pumps through your veins, you know, and the way that your muscles support your bones so that they don't, you know, become encumbered with inside the joints. I think that when we actually make those connections, what happens is, and this is actually a part of the yoga uh, teachings, is that the mind can slow down enough for us to observe it. And so I always liken it to almost like a little monkey, you know, imagine that there's like, for some reason, a little like bouncing monkey right next to you who won't stop moving around and who's just like bouncing and all over the place and very hyperactive. But the second you look directly at the monkey, it like jumps into attention and stops. That's kind of the way that your mind works. It's doing all of these things and it's bouncing from one thing to the other and it's kind of keeping itself occupied with the stories it tells itself. It's keeping itself occupied with stimuli. But the second you actually start going internal and paying attention, you are then able to slowly quiet that down and go deeper and become very introspective and start observing what it is within you, you start working within the shadow, you know, you start asking more about yourself from yourself, and you move through yourself. And that's, I think, where that healing comes from. So the reason I always go back to that particular point in time in my life is because I had no idea that nor would I have classified it as a disordered relationship with either my food or myself at that point, especially because, quote unquote, all I was doing was trying to eat healthier, right? And I think that's a big trap that a lot of us fall into these days is 
we've become accustomed to looking at health through the same lens as we've been looking at this ideal of what we quote unquote should look like based on years of information. And we don't necessarily understand that it goes so much more, it just goes deeper than that. There's so much more involvement into all parts of selves. It's so much more holistic than we think. And so we see this and we go, oh, if I just eat, I'm just going to use a phrase that's used a lot these days. So, um, and I hope I'm not offending anybody, but just so that I can, I can kind of bring the point home as to why this is an issue. Like if I say that I'm going to be eating lean, clean, and green for the rest of my life. Okay. On the surface, that sounds great. You know, you're going to be eating veggies, you're going to do all these things. And that sounds as healthy information to us because we've been taught that we can not trust ourselves around food, nor can we trust the food in our lives, which means automatically the fact that I'm adding this restriction and that I will not move outside of this box equals healthy. And the truth is that there couldn't be anything further from that. So to me, you know, growing up, that version, the version of that for me was, oh, well, yeah, I'm only eating like Atkins because carbs are bad and you're not meant to digest carbs and human beings did not evolve to eat grains, blah, 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 the things that you hear when you're doing these things. And that would have seemed healthy on the outside to most people. And most people thought I was the healthiest person at my school because I looked lean and because I was fine and I was running around and all these things, but I was at the most unhealthy level I have ever been at in my life. So when I say, oh yeah, when I stepped into this yoga room, all of a sudden something clicked, what I mean is I was able to finally sit with myself long enough to A, look at my story and determine oh, wow, my story of I'm not good enough, a lot of that has come from this. And this information told me that I needed to look like this. And this information then reinforced the ideal that if I wasn't thin enough, I wasn't going to be lovable. You know, all of these things. And so you kind of start digging deeper into your true self and you start finding all of these things and disproving them because it's just smoke and mirrors. So um, I, that's kind of where that work truly came in. And what it is, it does, it, it takes away the veil of perceived reality that we tend to allow ourselves to move deeper into as we get older. Because when you're little and you experience something, even though that experience may seem very benign to a grown up, it's a trauma for a kid. You know, so in that trauma stays with us and very often we digest it inside the body, inside the mind, inside our hearts and our souls. And then again, that's where those stories get created. And so it makes it very difficult to see those stories when you're deeply immersed in them, but it also makes it difficult when then you take action and you choose to do things in your life that are going to just further reinforce that story. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I think with your story too, is that a lot of people, you have to start out at the beginning. You know, I don't know a lot of people that start their health journey without making those mistakes of, oh, okay, I'm going to go on a diet or I'm going to start eating green. You know, I feel like that is a part of most people's stories. And so, you know, I like kind of seeing how you progressed from there and how you can 
move that into you kind of deserve more is what I got out of your story. You know, like you could go into yoga with the mindset of, oh, this is going to make me skinny and this is going to make me lean. But then as you sit with yourself, you start to realize, oh, no, actually, my body's made to be more than just lean. And I'm meant to eat more than just these vegetables for my life. You know, it's just learning that you deserve more, no matter how you started that health journey. Absolutely. And it's that self-connection that makes the difference. You know, I, I don't know where or when or how it happens, but we become enemies with ourselves. We learn not just that we cannot trust ourselves, but we learn to be very aggressive or passive aggressive with our own selves. We're like, we would never be that way with anybody else in our lives. And so that all that breeds is more mistrust with self and that more misconnection. But when you really, really are in presence with what's going on internally, like even something, like I said, even something as ridiculously innocuous as do I really need to drink water right now? Or do I really need to go to the bathroom? I mean, that may seem super silly, but that makes a huge difference when you can actually spot it within yourself and honor it. So it's those moments that make a huge difference. And the fact that you can give yourself the grace and the presence to learn from the fact that you are loving yourself by nourishing yourself, whether it's through movement, whether it's in the way that you eat, whether it's what you read or what you watch on television or the things that you listen to or the people you're surrounding yourself with. There are so many different ways in which we can nourish ourselves. And there is so many ways in which we can honor who we are and love ourselves basically as if because we are as if we were our one and true soulmates you know that's the other part of that is I think that we forget we are the true loves of our lives yeah that's a great point to make too and so I think we've kind of you know talked about what this not so great relationship looks like which is how a lot of people grow up it's how you know a bunch of people do start with the dieting things like that but you work with people on changing that relationship so what does the end goal look like like what would be the ideal relationship with yourself and with food look like (laughs) oh boy well so it's interesting working with me I call myself an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach and of course a yoga teacher uh But the reason why I choose those words, I'm very intentional with the words that I use in my day-to-day because I believe that words carry power. And the reason I choose those words to describe me and the work that I do with my clients is because originally when Nourishing Paths got started, it got started from a need to answer that question that I was getting from all of my students. Well, what is it that you as a yoga teacher eat? You know, how do you stay healthy because you do yoga? So you must be super like super super, super healthy. So the, and I started first, I went to school, I got an education, I actually learned about nutrition, because I didn't feel like I should speak to it otherwise. And then I started seeing clients specifically from a nutritional point of view. But what what was funny was what started to happen was the people that were coming to me for nutritional needs, ended up needing me to go so much further with them. So if you sit down as a person, and work with me, I'm not going to be the nutritionist or the dietitian that gives you like a day to day what you're going to eat and do and not eat and not do. And 
I think a lot of times that that does take my clients by surprise. You know, it's always very shocking when you work with me because I'm so much more heart centric and I'm so much more intuitive based in terms of you come to see me and I usually I will get some sense of how you're feeling. You know, I scan your energy. I look at how you're standing. I look at how you're walking, talking, listen to you, tell me your story. And I don't formulate judgments. I just make observations and I ask questions from you so that you can see what it is that you are needing. So we start with a very gentle approach. Like I said, I'm not going to give you, oh, you wake up in the morning, you drink this, you go to sleep at night, you do that, unless we're looking to treat a very particular kind of something. You know, like if I have someone who's got Crohn's, I'm very likely going to tell them that they are going to incorporate bone broth in their diet or something very specific, unique to each person. That's the other thing is I do, I work with you, but I work from what you need. I don't work from the fad diet that everybody else is doing. We take a look at what's really going on internally. Then it's about me asking, (laughs) asking you to go internal, you know, well, tell me, what does your hunger feel like? But like, really, what does it feel like? Can you even notice what it feels like to be full or not full? You know, it's much more along those lines. And then little by little, we together, what we do is we create this dynamic in which both of us work as a team to slowly figure out how to get you to more deeply know yourself first, so that then you can start almost courting yourself. You know, it's almost like you're starting to romance yourself, almost like you're flirting with your own self. And then from that point, we start harnessing the dynamic of loving and embracing every part of who you are. Because from then, it's a lot easier to learn what it is that truly nourishes you, your soul, your spirit, your mind, your body. And then we can talk about the things that work and don't work, you know, but I I, I work my way there slowly. We look at so much. It's all encompassing. It's so that way it's much more holistic. And like I said, you know, it was funny because I started and a lot of people were coming to me for nutritional advice, but ended up needing so much more. And now I get phone calls. It's I, I love these phone calls, by the way. I get phone calls from my from my clients all the time who, who are <laughs> happy, but also like, darn it. You know, they'll call me and be like, darn it, Safa, now I actually know how to listen to myself. And so I'm noticing that this relationship isn't working for me anymore and I got to move out or like they'll, you know, and that's just an extreme, but they'll be like, oh, now I notice that when I walk into this room, you know, perhaps the energy is a little bit off. So I'm going to, you know, it's just so introspective and it just makes such a difference. They can tell what their hearts are feeling. They can tell what their souls are feeling. And it's funny because we've become so accustomed to quelling that or to keeping it so hush hush that when you finally let it out, it's liberating, but it's also a little bit of like, oh, I wish I didn't know this because now I have to do something about it. It puts the responsibility on you, you know? So it takes you out of the space of reactive and puts you into proactive. And that's a lot of the work that I do. We talk, you know, anywhere about boundaries and talk about values and so much more. Yeah, because, you know, at the end of the day, the most healthy that you'll be is when you are feeling most empowered. And I love that story that you mentioned about the client calling because that actually is a pretty common story. I feel like, you know, people will start taking their own health in their hands. And then, you know, you hear the stories of people quitting their jobs or like getting the job of their dreams. And you're like, wait, why did their health relate to that? And it's like, because our health seems so 
it's like an abstract idea to us and we think that we can't control it until we start listening to what our body's actually telling us and taking that holistic approach. So I love that that's what you focus on because, you know, if you're eating when you're hungry and you're listening to those basic cues, then you can start picking up on the more subtle ones too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a tremendous difference. I mean, it it really and truly does. And what's amazing about that too is, like I said, it, it reminds you that you have the choice. You know, you're when you're no longer at the effect of everything around you, that means that you are the constant active creator of what's going on in your life. And that is a tremendous difference, like just a tremendous difference. Yeah. And then I have one more question for you, and it might be a little bit difficult, but if someone is going through their health journey and they're like, okay, I want to start healing my relationship with myself, what are the first steps that you recommend? Is it education? Is it mindfulness? Where should they begin on this journey? I think for me, uh, it's a little bit of a ladder, let's say. There's a lot of steps I, I would I would touch. But for me, it's important that you become very mindful. And I would always say, have someone there. You know, whether it's you go to therapy or you work with a coach or something along those lines. Because we when it when it comes to self-development and really working through shadow that way, we benefit from having someone who isn't us in the situation. Cause it's kind of like when you're in the middle of a problem, you don't see all of the, like, you don't see the whole picture. You don't have the Eagle's eye view of what's going on. Someone who's outside of that and who isn't emotionally invested in what's going on in that sense is going to be much more able to just ask of you to observe certain things. And then eventually as you grow, you might be able to do that on your own. But for me, the most important thing is work with someone that you trust, who you think is really going to be able to help you and become very keenly aware. Because the deeper you go into awareness, the more you're going to start spotting things. Like I talked to someone the other day, it was really funny, because we were discussing these fad diets and, and the fact that right now everyone's attention somehow has gone to our weights because we're all grieving. And and a lot of us collectively have noticed either an increase of that or a decrease of that. But what what is amazing to me is there's very little talk around what's been must uh, what's been most healing. What's made your soul feel nurtured, cared for, loved, and really really, really taken care of during this time versus whether you gained or lost weight, you know? So that's what I mean in terms of like when we're there for each other and you have that either person or community support, you're able to then take that bird's eye view, that eagle eye view and see the whole picture and work deeper into your true self instead of just ruminating in your own stories and your own thoughts over and over and over again and deciding, oh, well, that wasn't healthy, but this will be. And then you don't notice that that thing is still just as unhealthy as the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice too. One, because that's kind of how you experienced it in your life too, is it took someone else bringing you in front of that mirror and helping you through that. You know, that was your wake up call. So I think that you definitely do need someone from an outside perspective to help. And then two, with using the outside perspective is sometimes, you know, this has been a journey that you've been struggling with for years. And so when you are so attached to it, especially emotionally, 
you might not be able to see what that next step is or what's the logical step to do. So I think that, you know, reaching out and even finding a community or a mentor or a coach is so helpful. Absolutely. And then being very honest about the fact that doing any kind of self-healing work and really truly getting to love ourselves, it requires a high level of vulnerability. And that sometimes will demand so much of us, you know, it can get a little intense. So having someone there with you who can hold space for you is super, super important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this conversation today. It was very helpful. I definitely learned a lot. I'd love to just leave a minute here for you now to talk about where people can find you and your coaching. Well, thank you. And thank you again so much for having me on the show. It's just a a pleasure. It makes me happy. (laughs) So if people want to connect with me, there's a couple of ways they can do that. They can definitely visit my website. That's nourishingpaths.com. I always remark that there is an S at the end of the paths um, because somehow people sometimes will miss it. And and so it is there. So nourishingpaths.com. I'm also always on Instagram because I love a visual medium. So Um, And that handle is at nourishing underscore paths. And I'm working on constantly developing new programs that are going to help everybody come into their own power. But the latest that starts in September um, is about boundary setting and how to set them in such a way that they're going to feel like intuitive boundaries. And so we even go into what your own unique boundary setting style is and kind of work from there a little bit more. So if you want more details about that, the best way to find out more is by email info at nourishingpaths.com. Perfect. And I will include all of those links in the show notes below. So you can go find her, check her out, learn more because there's just so much that we can learn and benefit from a coach. So thank you so much for coming on today. And if you would like to be a part of the Girls Gone Healthy community, I will have a link below to that as well. It's a Facebook group, Girls Gone Healthy, healthy tips in your 20s. Come check it out. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor and take a screenshot right now and post it on your Instagram story. You can tag me at Girls Gone Healthy Podcast, at Girls Gone Healthy Podcast. Come say hi, come say what's up. I'd love to connect with you and this would help support me to continue bringing you free content. See you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.